This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher here with you at Memorial Stadium. We're in the kind of the bowels of the uh, Great West Hall here uh, as we are not allowed to watch what is going on on the field right now. So we fi- figured we haven't done a podcast all week. We've been busy with training camp. So Joey Wagner and I are here to talk about what we've learned, the little that we've seen. And I would caution everybody about that because I'm like, Every year I have covered Illinois football, uh, practice is not open to the public. It is not open to the media outside of 15 minutes per day of position drills, much like we did in spring practice. That's Brett Bielema trying to keep everything under wraps, everything kind of according to his message so that they get the element of surprise against Nebraska. I can't blame him for that from a football perspective, but for my job, I'm totally against it. We don't have as much information about your team, but we are talking to players. We are talking to a lot of coaches. They have been available in that sense, but breaking down schemes, breaking down uh, the depth chart is not that hard, but it's more difficult than it would be in the past. Uh, But Joey, what have you thought so far through four days? Any big, big takeaways? No, I don't think there's anything sweeping. I will say, I think any other year, I'm fretting a lot more about this, but with 22 super seniors back, we have a pretty good idea, at least what most of the ones look like and probably into most of the twos. And then beyond that, one, Illinois probably hopes they don't have to get that far down the depth charts this season. And two, I mean, we just don't know. There's a couple new faces out there, but Brandon Peters is probably going to be the starter. I don't think that's breaking news. And the Isaiah Williams hype hasn't really slowed down. I mean, Brett Bielema really put it on the table at media days. And that's really continued pretty steadily through the course of these first four days. Yeah, I don't even know how many position battles are on this team. Maybe safety. There's a lot of guys there, some newcomers with Prather Hudson and uh, you know Eddie Smith to go along with Quan Martin and, and Sidney Brown. So maybe that one's interesting, but I think a lot of those guys will play. Um, linebacker, you get Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tolson back. But I think you know Calvin Hart was brought here for a reason. Jake Hansen comes back. So that group's deep. I think a lot of those guys will play. But I think it's pretty clear Jake Hansen will be on the field a lot and Calvin Hart will play a lot. Wide receiver is a ton of changes in that room, and I wrote about today, nine different wide receivers, new wide receivers since when uh, George McDonald got here uh, in the spring, but I think we know who the guys are going to be, right? And Brian Hightower and Donnie Navarro have shown a little bit on the field. Those guys will be a part of the rotation. Casey Washington is back. That adds depth. Uh, Jafar Armstrong is added. Kamari Thompson had a solid spring, but I think Isaiah Williams is going to shoot to the top of that depth chart, and as you said, they have not held back any hype about what this kid can bring, so I think we know he's going to be a big part of this offense the running back room I think we know the top three at this point and I would say Mike Epstein is not included in that because we haven't seen him at practice yet he's working his way back from another unspecified injury but Chase Brown Chase Hayden Reggie Love and we know who the starting quarterback is um offensive line who's going to be that fifth starter 
Jack Badovinak, Alex Pilstrom, Julian Pearl probably going that out. Jordan Slaughter is the first significant injury of camp, and they hope to get through camp healthy. That's always an important thing, but these things happen, and Slaughter was probably your seventh or eighth offensive lineman, so that depth takes a hit, but Badovinak is big. So, yeah, I don't even know how many big position, you know, battles we have, Joey, because a lot of these guys are going to be rotation guys. But um, So there's going to be some intrigue that, that we don't know maybe going in, but I think a lot of those things are settled because they have so many guys coming back. Yeah, I think it's a lot of how they're going to use them, right? I, I don't know that this coaching staff is that concerned with us knowing who's one and two on the depth chart. I mean, they're not going to volunteer that information, but I don't think that's what they're hiding here. They're hiding the scheme. And, and to, quickly to go back to wide receiver, I know Isaiah Williams has gotten a lot of attention, and he should. But that doesn't mean Donnie Navarro, who had previously occupied the slot, is falling down the depth chart. I think there's going to be other ways they can use him. And that's one of the things offensively that I wish I was able to see because I think he's versatile, he's smart, he's crafty. He can get open in a lot of different spaces. He's not just a guy who can play the slot. So offensively, between that and the offensive line, I'm just curious how the wide receiver rotation looks, I guess, and obviously the line. Everything else on offense is pretty well spoken for, I think. And maybe there'll be a surprise tip. Ryman is a guy that we've heard a lot of, but he's also got Luke Ford and Daniel Barker in his room. So how much, you know, there's just some little things there. How are they going to use Max Rosenthal? But if there were ever a year from our standpoint to just kind of grit through this and not see it, it's, it's this year. And defensively, I agree with you. Safety is one of the bigger question marks I have. There's a lot of guys. How much of them are proven? I don't know. I mean, some for sure, but you know, kind of want to see what that looks like and, and how they're going to use it. We, we've asked about the star position. We've gotten loose definitions, and we've kind of gotten the never heard of it, don't know, see you the 28th type of answer. So just little things like that. But in an alternative universe, if there's not 22 super seniors, I am absolutely kind of beside myself sitting here hearing the sounds but not seeing anything. I have a big takeaway from all of this, but I do want to focus on those schemes. Tony Peterson hasn't hidden a lot about what they're going to do, right? I think you're going to see some similar things, and I talked about this with him in the offseason, of the Tampa Bay Bucks, A lot of 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. You have two dynamic tight ends that make the middle of the field really difficult to defend. You get a good running game if you have good blockers, and I think Luke Ford can be great there. Luke did miss a practice because he showed up late. That's never a good sign. So for him, it's you got to get going here. Like This is a huge opportunity. So that's one thing to watch a little bit, but it's a talented group of tight ends. You're right, Max Rosenthal had some versatility, a hammerhead blocker. Tip Ryman is a guy that I think is going to get on the field and you and I have joked if we had to bet on somebody gaining a scholarship in, in, in fall camp it'd probably be him because they're talking him up he's added 20 pounds looks like Ivan Drago out there um, so yeah I think we know they're going to use those guys there could be two wide receivers on the field at the time maybe it's Brian Hightower and Donnie Navarro when they go three wide out I would, I would imagine Isaiah Williams is there in the slot they could put Isaiah Williams in motion jet sweeps all those things but you're going to have a, you know, a pro-style kind of quarterback, a physical offense, I think is going to have some spread elements. I think some modern elements to it. Defensively, I think that's where they're more interesting. I think they're more focused on making sure they don't give anything away because they showed a 3-4 base, right, uh, during the spring game. And I thought it looked great. Now, they're going up against a pretty poor offensive group in the second uh, string backup uh, group. But I thought they looked really good. I think they have the pieces. It's weird that Lovey Smith recruited a bunch of guys, I think, fit that scheme, even though he was a 4-3 guy. Um, but I also think 
it wouldn't surprise me, and we've talked about multiple and, and these guys changing. I can see them going 3-4 against Iowa and Wisconsin, and I can, I can see them going 4-2-5 against a, a Nebraska team that runs more spread. So uh, that 4-2-5 with that star you're talking about, it's a nickel back. Prather Hudson's probably going to play that. Um, maybe another safety like Sidney Brown can play that. But I think you're going to see the defense look different game to game, and the game plan is going to look different. So I think they can go Nebraska one way and turn around a Big Ten West team that's more physical and look a different way. You might see it look different drive to drive in some instances, right? I mean, that's, it's just not something we've seen a lot. So I'm kind of with you. For me, almost all of my intrigue is on that side of the ball. What they do, what's the personnel, all of it goes into it. And we just, that's what's the most frustrating is not seeing. But multiple, I mean, there's there's a reason they've said that word about as much as they've said the word defense, right? I mean, those two words have have kind of come in a package when talking to Brett Bielman, when talking to Ryan Walters. I mean, it's, that's going to be a thing. And if you're an Illinois fan, you're probably like, okay, I would like that to be a thing. This sounds interesting now. Do they have the personnel right now to pull off what their grand vision is? I don't know. And are they adapting a little bit? I mean, what, what we see on the 28th might not, but we, might not be what we see on August 28th, 2024, right, as they get more of their pieces in. So credit to them, I guess, for having the ability to hide it, and we'll do our best to pluck out whatever it is we think is happening out there. We're going to take some VIP member questions that we posted on the board. So we'll get to those here in a little bit. Uh, A couple things of note, position changes. Uh, Two former very highly ranked players. I believe Virtus Brown was a four-star. Shaman Cooper was a four-star. Those guys both move uh, positions. Virtus Brown kind of going from defense to offense, back to defense. I think it makes sense, though. You and I saw that he was falling down the depth chart. Even though he started eight games last year at guard, I thought he looked serviceable. I thought he had a potential to be pretty good there. But uh, they moved him to, to nose guard. And I, long term, I think that makes sense. If they feel good about the rest of their depth chart, maybe if another injury happens, they have to move Virtus back to offensive line, right? But um, I think it makes a lot of sense because they need another nose guard. Uh, Roderick Perry, I think, is going to be really good there. Calvin Avery, the staff really liked what they saw in the spring. Um, he wasn't practicing today. We saw him leave practice a little early the other day. So we'll get an update on that. But they need more depth there, especially long term with Roderick Perry leaving. So Virtus makes sense there. And Shaman, whenever he's been on the field, it feels like he's making a tackle. He needed to add some strength. He has. He's added 20 pounds. But he was really blocked at, at inside linebacker with Hart, Hanson, Barnes, and Tolson there. Now you get him to the outside where you have no depth, right? He had five scholarship players there entering the fall. You add him there, probably developmental guy, but uh, he is strong upper body-wise, and I think if he continues to add strength to, to his lower body, he's a guy that might be able to get on the field there, and he's just a really good football player. So uh, he gives you a little bit more depth there. One guy that I'm really intrigued by, or maybe I'll save this. We'll save guys who, who are intrigued, intriguing that uh, could break through, but um, that makes sense. Those two position changes made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, they did, and even if Shaman Cooper is a developmental guy there, He's up, I think, 20 pounds, right? Listed at 20 pounds. I'm assuming that's pretty close. Special teams is going to be a place that he can really finally break through. We just haven't seen much of the guy. And I know at times it was really understandably frustrating last year because as this linebacker group got thinner and thinner, you just didn't see him get out there. And it was perplexing and didn't really get any answers for it. It was yeah, we saw Michael Marquez move from DB to linebacker instead of playing, you know, this very ballyhooed recruit. And frankly, they didn't really – they, they had a plan that I don't understand in terms of what they wanted his ideal weight as. That's clearly 
not the case any longer. Virtus, good for Virtus Brown, right? I mean, he comes in on defense. He switches to offense. He, he doesn't play. Then he starts. And then he goes back. And th- that is probably long-term better for him because they're starting to really load up on offensive linemen and capable offensive linemen. And, and Bart Miller was pretty honest, I thought, in the spring that effectively like, hey, he needs to be a little more physical. He's kind of fallen down the depth chart a little bit. And, and sure enough, he did all the way to the defensive side. So th- that's a good spot for him. And I agree with you. Depth-wise, that's – that's good because there are positions defensively, I think, maybe more than offensively, short of quarterback, that you're like, what does this look like next year or the following? And is this going to be another – do they go in the portal? Do they rely on freshmen, who, which is a gamble that we've seen here? So that, that kind of bridges a little bit of a gap there, I think. But those were two that – a little bit surprising, right? I mean, they didn't happen in the spring. They happened here. And – that's Brett and his coaching staff kind of tinkering and moving and and trying to find all the right pieces and it's not new here but we've seen it more in the last seven months I think that I've seen since I've been on the beat and maybe places these guys can be more successful and break through to the field all right uh, before I get to my big takeaway of all this let's ping pong here a little bit and just think of some guys that you think are really intriguing one of my guys is Ezekiel Holmes we talked about outside linebackers, and Owen Kearney and Isaiah Gay are clearly the top two guys. Um, I think Seth Coleman will get on the field, started a couple games at DN last year, very talented. But Ezekiel Holmes looks the part, and he's been working with the backups. You know, Kearney was out for a day, probably a veteran's day off, and you know, Ezekiel Holmes was the first guy through drills. Does that mean he's the starter, the third outside linebacker? I'm not sure. But former three-star prospect, committed to Illinois over Michigan State, had some other Power 5 offers, 6'5", 245, I believe now. Great athlete, was a really good basketball player. Just entered Illinois really raw. And then he had a couple injuries uh, his first couple years. So just a guy, I don't know how good he is. We don't see a lot. But he's just a guy that really intrigues me at a position where after this year, um, they don't have a, a lot outside of Seth Coleman and, and maybe now Shimon Cooper where Ezekiel Holmes might be a guy that has to play this year uh, if an injury happens, or next year he might have to be in the, in the mix to, to make a big impact. Yeah, it's kind of a guy that's been the opposite of that his whole career. There's always been at least one or two guys in front of him. And, and when those opportunities did emerge for, I'm thinking like after Bobby's injury, for him to step up, just didn't, there's someone else who stepped up more. So he, yeah, he's an intriguing guy. I don't want to get too far down the freshman rabbit hole here, so I, I'm trying to be a little careful. But uh, Give me a freshman. Go I, give me a freshman. I, I think Keontae Curry, I, because you look at the cornerback depth chart. This was the guy that they brought in. This staff brought him in. And you're looking around, and frankly, I, I think there may have been some issues out of high school in terms of academically. We don't know where he would have been had those issues, or I don't even call them issues as hurdles, I suppose, not existed. But someone's got to be the third and fourth corner on this team, and maybe the third is Kendall Smith. Maybe the fourth with Taylon Lightsey. But we've seen in the past, there are a few positions, I think, that freshmen can come in and not completely be overwhelmed. And cornerback can be one of those positions. I think wide receiver is another one. But he's a guy who's really interesting to me because there's opportunity there if he can run in and take it really quickly here. Uh, I mentioned Tip Ryman, but I'm going to mention him again uh, just because I think he's a guy that people should know. Uh, I don't know how much he'll play, but I think he'll play. He was getting first-team reps in the spring. They're mentioning him. 
uh, is a guy who's going to play this year. And if, hey, if Luke Ford doesn't perform or something and Tip Ryman they feel is, is a little bit more uh, consistent at times, maybe he, he goes in. Uh, just another big-bodied tight end who's got some athleticism. I thought Rod Smith did a great job getting him as a walk-on. Um, he really recruited him hard as a walk-on, had FCS offers from, you know, he's a South Dakota kid from South Dakota and, and, and North Dakota. Um, so I think they did a really good job getting him. So he's one I'm looking at. And, and Brett Bielma just made an offhand comment one time uh, at Media Day about Brandon Hohenstein. Another tight end that they're going to play, I think, four or five guys there. So I think he's going to be more of like the Max Rosenthal blocker, but he played at Abilene Christian after transferring from Nebraska. So he's a guy with some talent, and, and if Brett Bielman was mentioning him, maybe we should think about him as a guy who can make an impact on special teams and maybe as an Austin Roberts-type blocker uh, for their running backs. You know, I, I hate to stay on the cornerback, but I, again, that, that to me is the most opportunity there. In the spring, Aaron Henry really spoke highly of Tavion Nicholson. I, I mean, he really, really, I don't remember if it was unprompted or if it was loosely prompted, but he really went all the way in on his pretty effusive praise for him. He's another guy who could be in that area for, for that third, that fourth cornerback. Or, or again, if this nickel, we don't know what they're exactly looking for out of nickel, but there's another position back there that requires some versatility. So I, I hate to go. And then another guy, Jeremy, it's probably a cop-out. Casey Washington is interesting, right? I mean, he, he's not a new face. Everyone's seen him. They know him. But there's a reason they brought him back, and they didn't have to do that. And, and you can't quit the Casey Washington I bandwagon. No, you, you picked him the first day he practiced and said, that's my guy. He, I think he, he uh, palmed a medicine ball with his bare hand, and I thought, that's the guy. So I, I'm not getting off that bandwagon. But I really do believe there's a reason they brought him back after they had already – really kind of renovated that room, right? I mean, he was the final piece. It wasn't like he was early, and then they moved seven other guys. There's a reason they liked him. He's interesting. So, I, again, it's, it's the cornerback's got all my attention, but he's right there. All right, let me know if you got one more, because I got one more uh, <laughs> on, on this team. Uh, Alex Pilstrom. I think, I think we need to mention him because, while well, I think Jack Bedovinak was brought here for a reason. I think Bedovinak, I mean, obviously with the slaughter injury and it looks like a broken ankle and, and season ender, uh, it's important that you have that depth now. And he's been practicing in, in drills behind Jarosadi at left guard, but Pilstrom today was the first string right guard. I mean, Julian Pearl might slide inside and play that, but – the staff spoke highly of Pilstrom. I think he started the spring game at right guard. So somebody's going to have to unseat him. But he's, he's an important piece when it comes to uh, depth for this team and possibly as a starter. What a story that is. A former walk-on tight end bulks up last year, starts a couple games. I didn't think he performed all that well, uh, but now he's added 15 more pounds, and, and Bart Miller seems to like the way he plays. So uh, Alex Postrom, another guy that, that you should know. you have any other names that, that you want to throw out there that – now, I mean, can we just throw Isaiah Williams in there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Isaiah Williams is going to play a big role on this team. Big role is a unique weapon. There's just no other player at wide receiver uh, who is quite like him. And, and I know when you mention Isaiah, people want to know about Marquez Beeson. I haven't seen him in practice yet. Um, he's had injuries. I uh, don't know if there's been another injury since the torn ACL a couple years ago, but he's been rehabbing. And even George McDonald, in my you know, piece today, you can see his quote, is saying, yeah, I got to get him in practice. And, and whenever he gets here, we'll, we'll try and turn him into something, but we don't know what that is yet. So I, high expectations for, for Isaiah Williams. I, I don't have really any expectations at this point for Marquez Beeson, who's a great talent, just hasn't stayed healthy yet. Okay, I'm going to go special teams on mine. 
And not a specialist. If you have any concerns about the specialists or questions about what that looks like, I don't know where you've been. That's the most set in stone thing on this team. Luke Zardzin, the linebacker, I hope I pronounced his last name right. They like him. Special teams feels like a place in a very busy linebacker room that he can go out there and be that guy like a couple years ago. It's like, oh, Devin Witherspoon started on special teams and whoa, they, they have an ace here. And he's just a guy who could be that might be reaching. I don't know. We no, I, I love that you mentioned him because from what I've heard, if there would have been a fall season uh, in Illinois instead of a spring season, he might have had a scholarship at Illinois. So he's an all-state player. Uh, where was his high school? Uh, Mount Prospect, I believe, uh, from Alex Pelchesti's high school. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. Kind of the Bryce Barnes, possibly, of this class, which Bryce Barnes I'm interested to see at outside linebacker. Um, you know, moving there, another guy who's gone from defensive end to defensive tackle, not outside linebacker. Yeah, tight end to start, I believe. So he's, he's played all over the field. All right, when we come back, I'll get to my big point, but we'll also take your questions. But let's take a quick break on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Jordan, my big takeaway, and I'm going to write this at some point, I, this is a really important year. This, this is a really important year, not just because Brett Bielma is instituting a new culture. I think it's a really important year to win some games, whether that's five or six, whatever measure you have, or you feel like this team can win seven and you're really optimistic. Um, I think it's really important that Brett Bielma gets something out of this team because I look at this roster and I, I feel good about some areas, but then you think about, well, what about next year? Right, like quarterback, uh, no matter what you feel about Brandon Peters, this staff feels much better about Brandon Peters than its other options, which is why I brought Art Sikowski in here uh, to potentially be the heir apparent, potentially be the relief man for, for Peters if he misses time this year. Think about the offensive line. I mean, they're going to be replace four or five starters next year. The defensive front, Roderick Perry's gone. Is Jamal Woods going to be gone? How big of a role does he play this year? I'm not sure, but Carney, Gay, they will be gone. Jake Hansen will be gone. Tony Adams will be gone. You think about all of these players they have to replace. Kicker, punter, long snapper, right? Like, I think next year's roster is going to be worse. And even though you can make up for that quicker now in the transfer portal, I think there's a step back next year. So if this is a bowl team this year, I think you feel great about that. You know, hey, maybe you go from six to three or four wins, and it's not that big of a deal because you can capitalize off some early success. Um, but if you only win four and then you step back from that, that's, that's a tough start for Brett Bielmer. Yeah, and don't forget there's 18 actual seniors. That they, as this scholarship limit comes back down to the 85, that they're not required to bring back if they for that soup now they can and i'm sure if there's someone who's really good they're going to find a way to do that if it works for everybody but that i mean there's, there's possibly 40 guys who won't be here 
next year. I don't think the number is going to get that high, but that, that number exists. And then, you know, if they don't win this year, Jeremy, especially, I mean, God forbid more of those blowout losses. And then you, what do you sell to a recruit, to fans after that? But if they don't win, suddenly, let's say it's the four and eight year, and then you go into next year with not much. Now you, now you got to find a way to stop that, to stop that snowball rolling down the hill. And, you know, I think this is a good coaching staff, but at some point, I mean, this doesn't happen overnight, right? Especially in football and basketball, you can bring in a ballyhooed freshman and watch them take this thing by storm. But it's really hard to be 18, 19 years old in the Big Ten and hold your own, especially at the positions that we know Brett Bielema favors, which is the trenches and running back. It's just really a challenge. So, yeah, I agree with you. You've got to get something here. And I'll go a little further to zone in, zoom in on that a little bit. Nebraska's really big, man. That, that's a really big game. I mean, there's a reason they're keeping a lot of stuff secret, but I think they also recognize how big of a game that is. You get a win here, it's sold out, and suddenly it's a different feeling than the sold-out game when Lovey started. And that's not a dig at Lovey, but it's just a different feeling if you win that and ticket sales fly in. And then all of a sudden, it's, there's two winnable games beyond that, and you could be looking at 3-0. and And the last time I remember thinking, like, this team could be 3-0 and was when Eastern Michigan stopped that. Yeah. And then, now, they obviously turned it around a little bit and went to a bowl game, and they finished 6-7, and and there was a little bit of excitement there. But it's really big to beat Nebraska first off because then you make a statement if you're Brett Beal and they're like, hey, we've got this thing here. This is what we want, and this is a good way to start. So it's, this month is such a, a precursor, I think, and a big month to what this season can be. And you're right, you've got to maximize this rare opportunity you've been given. Yeah, and uh, I'll get to let's get to some of these VIP member questions here in a second. But, like, you know, everyone, I've had some people tweet at me, like, they get credit Lovey Smith for this roster. And Brett Bielema and his staff have said some of those things. Like even Aaron Henry gave Kinoto Hudson. He didn't mention Kinoto, but he, he said, kudos to his staff for leaving me some freshman talent here at this position. I agree with that. I thought Kinoto did a really good job there. But a huge reason that they have a decent roster, competitive roster this year, is the super senior rule, right, is this pandemic rule. Otherwise, this wouldn't have been a great roster situation. Probably would have been the worst roster in the Big Ten if you take out these super seniors. Think about the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, the outside linebackers, the quarterback, um, you know, Tony Adams, a defensive back, Jake Hansen. Like, you don't have that if there's not a super, this uh, extra year of eligibility in the NCAA. So, uh, Bielma does know he's a little fortunate in that way, and I think he knows he's got to uh, take advantage of that uh, as they move forward. So, I think that's, that's really, really important. All right, let's get to some VIP member questions, Joey. What do we we got give me one i'm just going to paraphrase a couple of them our thoughts on the two deep talent wise compared to the rest of the big 10 specifically the the big 10 west i don't know i mean there's not been a lot of nfl guys right i mean that that's clear and the two that are there right now who are drafted kendrick green and a hobbs are getting some attention which is a credit to lovey but i don't know that for the really dating back to even last year and a little bit in 2019 when they got bebe and, and awali batiku I don't know that there's been a big drop-off from the top one and a half or two spots on the roster. It's when they got beyond that, and all too often they did get beyond that, that it really, really spiraled for them. But I think the ones and twos, they're not the best ones and twos in the Big Ten or the Big Ten West by any stretch, but they're serviceable, right? And at some positions, good. And there's going to be small Big Ten players out there, maybe a handful of them. 
So th th that, that gap has really started to shrink quite a bit, I think. I think I feel the same way I did about this group last year because it's basically the same roster outside of Kendrick Green, who was a first-team All-Big Ten guy, and Nate Hobbs, who's a guy I love. And no, I'm not not running circles around saying, see, I told you so about Nate Hobbs because he's having a good uh, NFL training camp. Um, well, I just did, I guess. But I feel this group, too deep-wise, compared to Nebraska, compared to Purdue, I think it's on par. And that's why I was so disappointed last year when they get blown out by Wisconsin, who's a talented team. They're not loaded with a bunch of draft picks, right? They had a couple really good players. Iowa has a couple really good players. But I didn't think it was a, a drastic, like, 35-7 over the final 40 minutes of that game. I didn't think that was the big a gap. Um, but Purdue, listen, I wasn't that impressed with them last year outside of David Bell. Right, and George Karloftis. And those guys are probably better than any single player Illinois has in the roster now. But you go to the rest of the roster, I think Illinois might have an advantage. Uh, Purdue's got some young talent, but I, I think depth-wise, especially with, with all these seniors back, uh, I think Illinois can have the advantage. I've never been impressed with Nebraska under Scott Frost, their rosters. So I, I think they got chances against those teams. Like Iowa's more talented, Wisconsin's more talented, Northwestern is more talented. Um, but you can beat those teams. I think you're good enough. And that's where I think we are going to find out a lot about coaching this year. Like, how big of an upgrade is Brett Bielema? How big of a, a down – or how, how much did Lovey Smith struggle to put his guys in positions to succeed? Or is this a talent issue? Is it, is it really a talent issue? We've never had a coach take over and basically have the same team come back, Right. And while there's little pieces, you know, pieces that are different, Amator Bebe gone, Green gone, Hobbs gone, Eifler didn't even play that well last year, it's basically the same roster. So it's going to be a really interesting comparison at the end of the year. You know, how much of a difference is coaching or is the problem the roster all along? The next one is do we think it helps or hurts that they open against a Big Ten team in Nebraska? Why not, right? I mean, I get you want to, you know, maybe in some instances you want to get your feet under you a little bit with some, some give-me's, the Western Illinois of the world, the Ball States of the world. You know, I guess Ball State's probably not the best example. That yeah. wasn't a pretty game. But why not? This is a super senior team. This, this yeah. is a very veteran team. Get out there. Figure out what the heck you got. Figure out what you can do. Take advantage of a Big Ten team that we can say they have no idea. They've got an idea. Okay, I mean, they've, they've probably got a couple thoughts and ideas of what they're going to do. But I, I would almost rather in this year specifically, next year I'm not going to say the same thing. This year, just go with it, right? See what you got early. Don't get any cupcakes and, and figure it out from there. I think you can look at this two ways. One, you don't have a lot of experience besides these scrimmages against each other um, of – how to play with this offense. And you're going to have 60,000 people most likely, or at least 50, right, uh, here. So there's pressure involved in that. Um, so you don't have – you're not in your rhythm quite yet, most likely, right? You're not in your comfort zone. But also you do have the element of surprise, and I do think that's an advantage in the first half for Illinois. And that's why they got to take advantage of that first half because after that, Nebraska's going to make their adjustments. They'll make their adjustments after the first drives, right? So um, – but I think that first half is where you got that advantage, and Illinois is going to have to take advantage of that. All right, what's next? All right, I think maybe the last one. we got interviews coming up, and I'll paraphrase a few of those into one. Do we look over our back shoulders on our way off the field after our 15 or 20 minutes? Yup. And then any chance that we can get after that. And usually you see about 102 guys standing around on the rare times you walk by and, and have a look in. 
but we would be doing you all a very big disservice if we did not do that. Yeah, we try and get as much as we can, but we also have to qualify it with, hey, we, we saw 15 minutes of position drills where they're not really doing much quarterbacks. Like, I can't take anything out of really Samari Collier outside of strong arm, but he's dumping something off to the tight end. We're not really seeing them fire into to wide receivers all that much. Last one, yesterday or two days ago, I suppose, the Tuesday rumor that the Big Ten is eminently, I guess, approaching or working with Kansas. I don't think that's new information to me. I mean, that's something that we all thought was going to happen. I think Kansas would run to the Big Ten. I think Kansas would do that, and I think this is the rare time when you see maybe a conference change, and you're like, this really don't have much to do with football here. (laughs) This is not a football move. I mean, it is. Everything they do is a football move. But football is like the third or fourth thing you would think of about this move. Well, yeah, Kansas is maybe the worst, you know, sorry, Kevin Kane, maybe the worst Power 5 program in all college football. And that's coming from somebody who's covered Illinois, who's had a lot of issues here, right? Um, but I think geographically it makes a ton of sense. Academically, they're an AAU school. That's that's a huge box. Now, they're, they're kind of on the fringe of that, but I think they check that box. Uh, two, I think geographically, culturally, they fit. I think Kansas makes a lot of sense. It's got some natural rivalries. you got Nebraska, Iowa there. Um, the other part of this is it's such a big basketball brand that it does improve. I think it does improve your sellability um, because Big Ten basketball is as good as, it, good as it gets. The ACC some years is better. The Big 12 is, is up there as well. But if you steal the Big 12's best program, I think you have the best basketball conference in the country. And while it doesn't make as much money as football, it's a significant amount. So I think adding Kansas makes a ton of sense. Even if you want sexier football program, I think Kansas, I think it should matter geographically, culturally. Maybe I'm too old school with that, but when you bring that big basketball brand into it, bring in Kansas. I'd, I'd be fine with Iowa State. I know other people wouldn't be excited, but they're going to have to be an AAU program. Can you steal a Pac-12 team? Can you steal an ACC team? If you can, sure, go for it. I just don't know how feasible that is. But I hope, like I would, I would welcome Kansas in right now if I'm Kevin Warren, but I don't know what Kevin Warren has planned here, and that's what makes me nervous. Yeah, I agree with that, all of that. And we've long since, I mean, we sat in Indianapolis and talked about this two weeks ago. Kansas and Iowa State are the safe, comfortable, makes-a-sense move. You want to really try to splash and jump in the water, you call everyone in the Pac-12, you maybe call some ACC teams and, and, and float some interest. But and Notre Dame, of course, is in that, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, so I, I think this all – makes all the sense that we thought it was going to make at this point. We'll see if it happens. I mean, I always I get so hesitant to put too much thought into any of this because everyone's got an agenda for putting out what what leaks and it all it all moves so fast, right? I mean, it's it's not going to be the same in two days. Maybe with something like this it is, but it's hard to to try to keep up with realignment rumors. I know Kevin Warren has to be careful, but I hope the back channels are there. And I hope he is being aggressive and proactive here because the Big Ten has to be aggressive and proactive. They can't just sit back and let the Pac-12 or these Big 12 programs decide all this stuff, the ACC ad, uh, without doing anything. All right, we got to run. we got player interviews to do. Hope you enjoyed this and got you updated on Illinois football training camp. We'll catch up with you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. 
The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.